0: week called When Jesus Calls My Name, and uh, I won't go around with the open mic today to interview a, a few names. Hopefully, you were catching names there during Turn and Greet, but one of the cultures I want to create during this series is that you get to know people's names, and you don't feel embarrassed to ask somebody their name, even if you've already asked them their name several times. So uh, there is something about having your name called that is special. You're not a number. You have a name. You've been given a name. You're given a name by your parents, but through the hands of your parents, God has given you a name. And Jesus knows you by name. And so what we've been uh, looking at doing, we began last week with Mary, is the places in Scripture where Jesus uses specifically someone's name. Now, this is the time of year when um, several of us have the uh, great opportunity to go to graduations. Any of you go to any graduations this year, whether it's a high school graduation or a college graduation? Me and my family, this week, we had the opportunity to sit in a large auditorium, the event center at California Baptist University in Riverside. And there were a lot of people graduating at that place, and we were there for one reason. We were there to hear... One name called out of this big, thick book. You know what that's like, right? Well, thankfully, CBU has multiple commencements. But uh, the spring commencement of 2019, they filled up this book with names. And on page 50 of this book is a name. Zachary C. Bowman, Bachelor of Arts, Christian Behavioral Science, Bachelor of Arts, uh, Communication Studies. And so our son, Zach Bowman, he's the second of our three boys, um, he walked across this big stage, and he, that's actually him up there in the big screen. And Zach received his diploma for what appeared to me to be four months of school, but I guess it was four years. <laughs> Didn't we just drop him off at CBU when we moved to California? And a blink of an eye, he's graduated. And we're proud of him. In fact, today, Zach is um, preaching his very first sermon at a church he's now been hired onto in Big Bear, Christian Missionary Alliance Church. If you're ever up in Big Bear, we got him moved up there this week. It was a long week, but he settled in and he is speaking at uh, Big Bear Community Church this morning and God is going to be using his life. And so that's just uh, even more honoring to us. But this is Zach and the family, and uh, we were there to hear them say, Zachary C. Bowman. And then you never know quite what to do because there's always some other crazy kind of families. But we're like, woo woo, yeah, woo yeah. <laughs> do you think when you get to heaven that there's going to be a call of names from a book? I believe there is. Now, I've been to graduations, big state university graduations, where they just sort of scroll the name. And they just have them sort of flood across. That's not quite the same kind of thing. Because you don't really get to cheers like, oh, oh, there they are. But when they say, Zachary C. Bowman, "Woo, yeah! God's going to call your name on the other side. In fact, I was thinking about the series title, When Jesus Calls My Name. A lot of times we think about that in terms of, When we die, he's going to call our name home, right? I'm not talking about that. There will be a calling of your name on the final day for those people whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life, people who have chosen to be followers of Jesus Christ. And I trust this morning that your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life. And if it's not, you can choose today to turn and follow Jesus Christ and let him become your savior and the leader of your life. And that is what gives you entrance into heaven. Not all your good works, not all the accolades, not kind of, what kind of family you come from or don't come from. Have you made a personal decision to follow Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because heaven is not going to be filled with a bunch of rebels. It's going to be filled with a bunch of radicals. But those are radicals for Jesus Christ. Those are people who have chosen to follow him. But when that name is called, then will be a great day. But... I think of equal importance is when he calls you by name today. Have you heard his voice this week? Have you heard his voice this week or has the pace of life been way too fast for you? Or maybe there were distractions and you weren't able to slow down to hear him call your name. Last week we looked at Four prominent aspects of Jesus knowing your name, and we said this Jesus created you before you were ever known as a creation. Jesus pursues you before you ever think of pursuing him. Jesus calls you before you ever think of calling on him. And Jesus knew your name before you ever named him. And the question was presented Is my faith only about beliefs? Decisions and practices or is my faith about being with Jesus who calls me by my name? I trust you've been able to move past just religion. And you've come to discover the relationship with Christ. Because Jesus says to me, carry. He says to you, your name. Fill in the blank. And through His Spirit, He is speaking to you today. Jesus calls to me. He calls me to a personal, intimate, everyday relationship with Him. Not a formal religious or church-going spiritual arrangement. And there's a radical difference. As the Awakening Church, we desire for people to become fully alive in Christ and to his mission, and to become fully alive in Christ, you need to realize that Jesus is a personal Savior. Not way out there or someone you will meet someday when you pass from this life, but he's someone who walks your road today and walks mine. The name that he called that I want to talk to you about this morning, in part, is the name of someone that he... uh, called out as he was walking along a road. And he called this person to himself. And this person answered the call. Just as surely as we positioned last week the question to you, have I come to a place in my faith where I can say I am called by Jesus and I am called to Jesus and I am answering his call? This person who was called by Jesus and was called to Jesus and who answered the call that we want to look at today is none other than a popular character, at least that I was taught when I was in Sunday school real young, by the name of Zacchaeus. You know Zacchaeus? I know, some of you are thinking of that little diddly song, Don't Go There. <laughs> Zacchaeus was a wee little man. and wee, See, right there, I just started putting it in your mind. It says this in Luke 19, verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho, which was a little bit outside of Jerusalem, wasn't too far, small little place actually, and was passing through. So he's passing through Jericho, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. See, if I'm getting a little reverb up here me i don't know what that is but now zacchaeus he wasn't just a tax collector he was the chief tax collector which means in this uh i don't know uh commission pyramid he was at the top so he had a bunch of people that he's working with him so if you are in business and you have people that work for you this morning you could probably relate to zacchaeus he was a business guy And taxes had to be collected. That was something that was needed in the day, right? So he collected taxes, but people didn't really like tax collectors. And part of the reason they didn't like him was not just because maybe they uh, were a little corrupt on the side, but because they were extremely wealthy people. They had a lot of money. And so he was in this upper echelon and people were uh, looking at him. And Zacchaeus, he had an interest in being able to see jesus as he passed through now i don't know if zacchaeus had heard about jesus maybe he'd seen jesus before but in this story and it's the uh, it's only in luke that we hear the story of zacchaeus he was determined that he would at least see jesus he hadn't necessarily thought about meeting him but he wanted to see jesus and so he was just one of the crowd you feel like you're one of the crowd Maybe you've gone to see a celebrity, or see a sports star, or, you know, and you're just part of the crowd, and so Zacchaeus is a part of this crowd, and here comes this person everybody's been talking about named Jesus, and he wants to see him, but he can't see him because Zacchaeus has a problem. What's his problem? He's short, and so the crowd, it's just like a wall of people, right? And he can't see over the crowd, so he makes a choice. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd, so he ran ahead. He was, he was very frugal and, and assertive and knew how to make things happen. He ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Now, the sycamore tree is sort of a a shorter tree with a a stocky, smaller type of trunk, but large lateral uh, branches so he could easily climb up in there. And so can you see the wee little man, the short man, Zacchaeus, who was a very good business person in one sense and very wealthy and and known in that small community, climbing the tree, perching himself and saying, hey, I got a pretty good view here. I got like a really good view. This is a good seat. And I'm just going to be here crouching, and and watching him as he walks by. But something happens when Jesus walks by. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Now, you're thinking to yourself, maybe if you're part of the crowd, well, Who's he? Who's he to stop there on the spot, look up at the tree and see Zacchaeus? Maybe he was hanging out like he's ready to fall. I don't know. But somehow he stopped. And Jesus not only stopped and called Zacchaeus by his name, but he said, I must stay at your house today. I'm coming to your home. Whoa, whoa, this is a pretty big deal. Now, here's the question. Why did Jesus say he must stay at his house? I believe that there was something going on in the spirit of Jesus Christ as he's in communion with God the Father. And God stopped him on that spot and said, here's a moment in time. I want you to depict to the world, not only now, but forever, my heart for all kinds of people. And so Zacchaeus gets called out by name, by Jesus, on the spot. And Jesus must go to his house because there was an urging of the Spirit of God Himself that this was a moment in time. And so here we are in 2019 talking about the one who Jesus called by name, by the name of Zacchaeus. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus took action. And it's one of the things I want to highlight today is that when Jesus calls your name, Do you do anything about it? Or do you just go, no, 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 I can't hear anything. Or the impression of the Spirit speaking to you to do something, do you obey? We are called by Jesus, we are called to Jesus, but we are called to obey. And so here's Zacchaeus, he obeyed in that moment. This one who he was fascinated by, who he had maybe a heart to know, these deep longings. Yeah, he was wealthy, had a lot of money, and yeah, he's a little skittish on the sides, right? And some things that he's going to admit to here in a second. But there was a hunger inside of Zacchaeus to see Jesus as he passed by. Do you have a hunger to know Jesus? Do you have a hunger to know God? Or do you have a hunger for all their kinds of things? He had the wealth. He had scaled that ladder. And a lot of times we live in a very materialistic culture where it's like, hey, you scale the ladder of wealth and then you have it. You have means to do things you want to do, so on and so forth. But I know a lot of people who have scaled the ladder of success and fame and wealth and they get to the top and it's leaning against the wrong building, it's not filling their soul. Something in Zacchaeus wanted his soul filled, so he sought out a look at Jesus, and Jesus called him by name. He responded to it, and Jesus goes to his house. Well, this is starting to turn out to be a pretty good story, right? has to have a a really nice, happy ending. Except in verse 7, we find this to be true of the people around him in the crowd. All the people saw this, and they began to mutter, He's gone. He's gone to be. The, he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. Sinner. Now the word "mutter" here is the same word that was used by uh, the Israelites when they grumbled uh, after they left Egypt and they were wandering in the wilderness, grumbling, mumbling. I can't believe that person. Now I want to pause right here because all of us are in this camp. All of us are in this camp. We really are. There's all kinds of people around us, people that uh, have gone different trajectories, different backgrounds, and we some sinner like Jesus, the reason he must go to Zacchaeus's house is because he was a sinner that was lost and needed to be found, and God told Jesus to pursue him. But everybody else was like, Don't pursue him. What do you want to go to his house for? I'm sure it's a pretty nice house, but he's a sinner. Do you know he tries to rip us off? Jesus, come over here. Let me talk to you about this guy. He's got all kinds of dirt on him. Why would you give attention to him? Look what I've been doing. I've been going to the the temple every day. I've been keeping your law. Why don't you come to my house? You're going to the house of Zacchaeus. Get out. Same kind of attitude can start to fly our way. But Jesus knew and he understood the responding of what was going on with the crowd. G.K. Chesterton, one of my favorite quotes, maybe you've heard me say this before. Catholic theologian, really good heart for God, said this. There are many angles at which you can fall and only one angle at which you can stand straight. Do you know what he's saying by that? All of us has fallen in different ways. I sometimes say we're hardest on those who fall in ways that we're not tempted by. I can't believe they did that. But put the mirror to yourself. We each have fallen, and we all fall in different ways, and I don't care which way somebody falls. You can have somebody introduced to me that has been a vile, corrupt person, an immoral person, a person that's, uh, that's ethically challenged uh, with integrity issues. Someone who has uh, committed adultery, somebody that's strung out on drugs, you name it, there's all kinds of angles at which you can fall in life, but there's only one angle you can stand straight, and who's that in? In Christ alone. In Christ alone, I place my trust. And so it doesn't matter what angle you've fallen at today, Jesus would want to come to your house, and he says, hey, I want to take you as you are, I want to restore, I want to bring you back, and I want to stand you straight and let you become who... I want you to be. So we are to be accepting of others no matter what angle they've fallen. But there's a distinction. Being accepting of one another, whatever angle they've fallen at in life, doesn't mean that you condone that angle which they've fallen. And we have a hard time with that in our culture today. It's like, oh, if if you call out a sin, then you must not be accepting of that person. No, they're two different things. I'm accepting of the person... I want to love that person. Christ loves that person. But the angle at which they've fallen is not the place to be lying down. You need to stand up straight in Christ. And if you come to Jesus, guess what He's going to have you do? He's going to have you stand straight in His righteousness. And He's going to change you from the inside out. You're going to become somebody different than you've been pre-Jesus if you come to Jesus. But who you are pre-Jesus does not define you. You know, we sort of say in this aspect that uh, Jesus calls us by name. There's a saying that says, Satan calls us by our sins, but Jesus calls us by our name. And the whisper, the chatter, you're no good. Look at you. Look what you did this week. I can't even believe you're sitting in church today. What are you doing? That's the chatter of the adversary who wants you to be defined by how you've fallen. And so we love people for who they are. they have made in the image of God, but they're fallen. But being able to love somebody and accept them doesn't mean that we accept the angle at which they've fallen. And we have to walk that with a very kind heart in our world today, because we don't get to pick and choose what sin is. Righteousness is defined by the one who is ultimately pure and righteous, and that is God himself. It goes on then in verse 8, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, 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 Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor and if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Whoa! Did Jesus ask him for that? Something was going on in the heart of Zacchaeus. I sometimes say that the God is like the hound of heaven, and the hound of heaven is on our trail. And he was on the trail of Zacchaeus, and Zacchaeus was responding. When Jesus passed by, he wanted to see him because his heart was already being endeared and turned towards faith. And then here's Jesus showing his personableness and caring for Zacchaeus, wanting to go to his house, which was not necessarily a big thing to Zacchaeus to come to his house, but that Jesus knew him personally. Somewhere there was this leap of faith that happened in Zacchaeus. Such a leap of faith that it changed the condition of his heart. The people were mumbling and they were shouting, at Zacchaeus, he's dirt, he's stolen from us, I can't believe you would go to his house. He was hearing all the naysayers. Do not let culture define you. Let Jesus define you. It may be the friends around you that are saying things this morning. It it, it may be family members. It may be uh, peers you work with. Do not listen to the voices of the world. Listen to the voice of your Savior Jesus. Zacchaeus was doing that. He responded in obedience to follow Jesus, to bring him into his home. And Jesus began to change him from the inside out. Yes, he admits in this very passage here that he had taken money. He had cheated people. Why would he say if I've cheated anyone if he hadn't cheated somebody? And so he makes this exorbitant gift and he says, I will give half of my possessions to the poor. Which scripturally, if he gave 20% was like really big time. But here he went to 50%. And what Jesus does here is he commends him for this heart to give 50% to the poor. And you got to catch this because other places Jesus told a rich person, sell everything you got and give to the poor, right? Oh, and that person went away. What, what, Jesus, what is it? Is it 100%? Is it 50%? Is it 20%? Is it 10%? Come on, give me... Get, no, this is referencing that Jesus is looking at the condition of our heart. That amount is laid on your heart by him. Here, Zacchaeus responded, and he felt led, and he said, 50% of all my possessions I will give to the poor. And if I've cheated anyone, I'll pay them back four times the amount. I sort of have to smile here because this was said in public, all right? This is a public confession with the crowds. Can you see everybody in the crowd and go, hey, where's the line? I'll line up. <laughs> yep, Zacchaeus, four times, right here, man, give it to me. Right? This was a public confession of repentance, of turning. I used to be this way. I am now going to be a follower of Jesus. And I'm going to go this way. Zacchaeus was called by name and he responded. He obeyed. And Jesus changed his life. The angle at which he had fallen, he began to stand straight in Christ. And so Jesus said to him in verse 9, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. The phrase son of Abraham was a designation for people who are truly Christ followers or followers of one true Yahweh. He's basically saying, Today salvation has come to Zacchaeus in this house for he too has become a believer, a Christian. And then Jesus goes on and he says this. This is why I came. I came to seek and to save the lost. The lost. That's why he had to go to Zacchaeus house. I must do this. Because there's people that are far from me that are outside a relationship with God. I sort of summed it up a little bit this way. Saving faith in Jesus Christ is the ultimate recovery movement. It's the ultimate recovery movement because the recovery of the essential relationship with God allows eventual recovery in every broken area of our life. What angle have you fallen? What angle is your friend fallen? You love them, you care for them, you point them to Jesus because that's where they stand straight in Christ. I don't have to change their attitude. I don't have to change their convictions. I just need to point them to Jesus and let Jesus fill their heart more. You walk with Jesus and he will change their hearts and thoughts and mindset on things. There's illumination that comes. And then you begin to work your way through restoring things in your life, whether it's, it's giving back to people that you've stolen from or correcting the behaviors in your life. And you do those things not to earn credence with God as much as you are doing them because God loves you. And it's your response to live for Him. Where are you at in your journey? Are you one who is lost? Do you need to be found? Jesus calls you by name. You need a lot of recovery from whatever angle you've fallen at it begins by recovering the essential relationship with God and he'll bring eventual recovery as you seek him in his grace and his power in every area of life have I come to a place in my faith where I can say I'm called by Jesus and I'm called to Jesus and I am answering that call Every one of us have our own testimonies in this room. Maybe when Jesus called us by name. Maybe when we just felt the impression from the Spirit, something spoke to us, somebody said something you read in Scripture, and you made the choice to follow the Lord. And it's good to be able to share that story. I want to uh, highlight a story that's close to our family this morning. There's a little bit of a uniqueness in it. And it's the story of our son, Levi Bowman. And I'm going to invite Levi to come up on stage with me, along with his mom. Would you welcome Levi? (laughs) Mom, there's a couple mics right there. I suppose it's okay to give you a mic, Levi. What do you think, huh? All right, sit right here in the middle, leaves. Some of you know that uh, we've been blessed with different kinds of people in our family. Our oldest son is very much an arts person, and he works in Hollywood. My son, Zach, who just graduated, is an outdoors guy, so big bear fits him. And uh, our youngest uh, is uh, Grace, and uh, she's over here, and I won't say any more. She'll get more embarrassed. She's a high school student at Chaparral. But Levi, Levi was born to us in 1999. And so Levi is uh, 20 years old. And uh, Levi was born, uh, without us knowing, with what's called Down syndrome. And so all of us have two pairs of chromosomes and all the different numbers. And Down syndrome is where he was blessed with an extra chromosome on number 21. And so trisomy 21... Uh, gives you the illustrious privilege of having that title of Down syndrome, which was actually, uh, it's the name is not Downs, it was by John Langford Down, I think, in 1866, who defined the syndrome. It wasn't then until actually 1959 that a French uh, doctor identified it as a chromosomal disorder, and there's no reason for it, it just happens at random. And so, two hours after Levi was born, uh, the doctor was saying, hey, there's some things here we need to look at. And we're like, what? I'm my third boy. I'm good to go. I've got this down, right? And, and my wife was deeply concerned because she knew something was different with Levi. Well, uh, Levi has been a joy in our life through the years. And Levi, um, sometimes I think if he didn't have that extra chromosome, he'd probably be the best athlete and he'd, he'd also be uh, one of the strongest go-getters in a lot of dimensions of life. But he has a special heart, and I believe this is true sometimes of special needs kids, is that they have the ability to understand the spiritual realm sometimes in ways that we don't. I think he actually gets to see angels when he worships, if you watch him worship. Well, uh, Levi, I think you recall, it was a few years back, and I was speaking at a Good Friday service. And uh, we had a huge auditorium, and we had one of the trusses that usually have your lights on, and we'd make that into this huge cross. It was like, I don't know, a tall cross, taller than the ceiling almost. And uh, so Good Friday service, we're seated in the round, and I'm preaching a way for God to to really move and change people's hearts, right, on Good Friday, just like what we walked through. And I came across this verse uh, that uh, is in Matthew 27, 45, that says from noon until 3 in the afternoon darkness came over the land about 3 in the afternoon Jesus cried out in a loud voice "Eli Eli lema sabachthani" and i emphasized it quite strongly "Eli Eli lama sabachthani" Which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we actually looked at it this Good Friday. Well, Jesus wasn't saying, my God, what would you do to me? You abandoned me. He was actually quoting Psalm 22, which is a Messianic song and identifying with it in his grief and his suffering. And so, Mom, I'll let you pick it up from there.
1: So uh, we were sitting in the audience. Um, we have kind of had a, a thing going at the church where we had it in the round and Carrie was speaking kind of from the middle. And the first time uh, Carrie pronounced that, which I cannot, um, Levi kind of got wiggly in his seat. And uh, how old were you, Levi, when that happened? I was 11 years Yeah, he was 11 years old. And um, what did you think that dad was saying?
2: Um, and I uh Look. That's in the ten of my name, me.
1: Yeah, so Levi, when he heard what Carrie pronounced, uh, he thought that God was calling his name. So we were um, sitting there, and throughout the service, he just kept leaning on me saying, God, call my name. God, call my name. And I thought, wow, that's exciting <laughs> that he, um, he was 11 years old, and he, was, he heard the voice of God call his name. And um, when he was born, we weren't sure cognitively what he would be, have the ability to understand. Um, I I wish I could put those fears aside because Levi does kind of have a tap into the spiritual realm that um, I believe is unique to our kids who have special needs. Um, But there he was at 11 years old, hearing God call his name. And we broke uh, for prayer time. And Levi walked over to the a bench that we had, oh, a, prayer, benches, a yeah. prayer bench, and he knelt down. And I came, I came over to talk to you. But what did you tell me?
2: Um, dying, dying.
1: <laughs> I got this, mom, is what he said. So he, there he was, kneeling um, on the bench, uh, the kneeling bench. Um, with his shoes on the wrong feet, and I watched him as he prayed and received Christ. Uh, he didn't want me to be a part of it, which was totally fine, uh, but you prayed to ask Jesus into your heart that day, didn't you? Yeah. Do yeah.
0: you want to say anything about it? This is scary.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Only uh, was I am. Only I'm. I've first start. Over the years, I hear the voice of God. All the time I die, I I the Lord. Just a little bit. I you. I am in Wiggo. Do you remember it? I remember my voice. I am also in Dutton. i felt I a little bit. I, uh, yes. I uh, know who I am. I
0: you know who you are.
2: I go I go to I go I go to um, like, <laughs> uh, I me years ago, uh, my to him. I go to I go to him. I go to my I go to him. I go to
0: give the mic back to your mom she can explain a little bit maybe what he said
1: so so he he was saying that God filled his heart that day and he prayed to receive Christ right and and you've been following him ever since since you were 11 years old right and how old are you now
0: that's not funny
1: he's 20 (laughs) yeah
0: Levi thank you thank you Jesus is no predicator of persons. He died so that all might be saved. Some of you know that we're seeking to have more of a ministry in this church to people who have disabilities, special needs, called access. And every time you see one of the children, one of the kids, students, even adults that are in our congregation um, may you always remember that Jesus has called them by name. I look forward to my immortal body. Because I'm getting older. But I look forward to seeing Levi when he's clothed. In fact, it was a dream early on in his. Just a few days, actually, weeks after he was born. That God revealed to me that he has a broken body. Because of this extra chromosome, because we live in a fallen world. And all creation groans, as in pains of childbirth, just like we do, because of the fall. But one day, all will be made right. And in this dream, I saw him walking across the gymnasium floor after I thought I was watching a special Olympics game, and there was my son clothed in his new body. And he said, Dad, thanks. And he was just as vibrant. As the picture of his brother that you just saw at graduation. We have different specialties. I think we all have special needs in some place or another. Jesus said, I came to seek and to save the lost, every single one. Jesus is calling by name, and he calls them by name, even very young. I want to give reference to a story that's probably the more popular of God calling a name, and that's the story of Samuel. Do you remember Samuel at a young age? Do you know how old he was? He was 11 years old, Josephus, the historian says. And in 1 Samuel 3, it says this, "'The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare, and there were not many visions.'" One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel was there as a young boy because his mother had prayed that God would give him a boy and God gave her a boy. And he said, if you give me a boy, I'll dedicate him to God's service. And so he was in the tabernacle area and he was being raised underneath Eli, the priest. Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him because of the young age and how he was living out and maturing in the faith. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go down, go and lie down. And if he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. He spoke to the young lad a very hard word concerning Eli and his family and a judgment that was coming. It was not childlike words that were spoken to this child that he called by name. Eli demanded to hear him the next day. He told them and Eli said, the Lord will do as he's led to do. But this is what I want to pull from that story is this whole idea that God speaks. Do we respond or do we not respond? Samuel went and he laid down. Samuel, Samuel. Was it an audible voice? Was it an impression? I don't know. But somewhere that young boy felt God was calling his name as surely as Levi thought God was calling his name in that Good Friday service. What about you? Has he called your name? And when they double up your name in Scripture, it's a pretty serious deal. Samuel, Samuel. And he said, Speak, for your servant is listening. He responded. Here I am, you called me. Speak, for your servant is listening. We are all called by Jesus. We aren't called to just Show up at church. We are called to Jesus, to walk with him. Focused on it some last week. But we are also called to obey and respond. I want to close by sharing something personal with you that also reflects on us as a church body and where we stand at as a body. And so I'm going to ask Joe, I don't know if you got the team coming or just you, on Thursday I was sitting in a restaurant in Big Bear excited for my son extended family They have a lot of nice restaurants here and I was telling a dear friend of ours that had come in for his graduation the story about us as a church and what God had been doing in my heart in the last couple years and it dawned on me that it was May 2nd. May 2nd. Is it May 2nd? And it was. And then I recalled where I was a year ago. A year ago on May 2nd, I was in a large room with pastors from across our district. It was communion service. And the guy who led communion, he's the newly placed pastor of the Grove in Moreno Valley, Large Alliance Church. and Daniel Bishop gave us 15 minutes as pastors and ministry people at that meeting to spend time seeking God before we came to the tables. And I said, okay, I'll do that. My mind had been spinning a lot that week because... For the past month, I had been wrestling with what we were to do as a church concerning our place of ministry. You guys recall this. And I was wrestling with the Lord. The board had decided that we probably ought to look for something elsewhere. That was precipitated on me sitting in a lazy boy chair probably the month before that and I got bothered that I was bothered about something and and it it led me from one thing to another. I don't know if you've ever done those things and I'm bothered and I'm talking to God and and God says, well, why don't you get out of your lazy boy chair and do something about it? And I was bothered. Take this the right way. I was bothered by the lack of of fruit being yielded in our church to reach lost people. Because when I relocated my family here five years prior, it was for us to rock the valley make a significant impact. And we were making an impact on a few, and I don't know what God has for the future, but I knew there was an impression on God to get out and begin seeking there's something more than where we had been in our facility, something that would place us more prominently in the valley. And I remember... A year ago this past month driving back into this retail area here and I saw a sign out in front of this building. I said, Well that's interesting. We'd looked at a building down the way a little bit. It was a lot smaller, and, and that's a really nice building, but we could never do something like that. And so then fast forward to the May 2nd, I'm sitting in there and I'd been wrestling not only with those things, but also with what God had convicted me about, some sin in my own heart towards situations and as so I was listening to the Lord, I had this um, phrase come to me that came from a friend of mine that I discipled when I was a youth pastor out of youth ministry, and he just took off with Jesus. And he went to become a missionary and, in the middle of, of uh, uh, the world where are people aren't even allowed to follow Jesus, and they get kicked out of the country kind of thing. And Then he came back, and he was leading a large church in the um, northern Detroit area. He wanted to reach some of the inner city people because he had a heart for them. And so they were trying to raise up people in their church to be able to go maybe start this inner city church in Detroit. And as you know, Detroit is a needy place. And, and my friend said God came to him and spoke a simple phrase that said, well, do you have 30 seconds of courage? That phrase came to me on May 2nd. Well, do you have 30 seconds of courage, Carrie? And I said, well, I would like to be like the guy I mentored a little bit and I hope I would. And I felt impressed upon the Lord, inner spirit, not an audible voice, that said, you need to step into this with your wife and your family. Just like the song we say, I don't want to go there unless you go before me. I said, God, I don't want to go there unless you go before me. And He said, yeah, I'm going to go before you in this. And I want you to lead with the people not against the people, get the people's will and their discernment, and there was a lot of that praying that went for us as a body of people, but the 30 seconds of courage was this, because I knew that we were moving from a place that was much smaller we were a smaller body, I didn't know that we really could take this step as a crazy, stupid step in many ways, but he says I want you to lead with courage I want you to step out, will you trust me you just make a choice to let go please I didn't ever think I would probably tell this part of the story again but God prompted me today and I want it to be understood in the right context Jesus said you lead and you'd be willing to give up your salary in order to pay the least payment on that building because I'm going to lead them into a place I said really I said sure I took communion. I went back home. I didn't tell my wife. <laughs> For three days. When I told Melissa, we've been in ministry a long time. Thirty-some years. She says it's the right thing to do. So she stepped down of faith too. I share this story two reasons. One is to encourage you to listen to God's voice. I don't know what He's going to call you to do. Maybe it's to come to Him and to obey. But you need to be obedient to what He's telling you to do. And you need to step out. If you're lost and you need to be found, if you need to recover that relationship with God so that you can recover in some other ways and stand straight in Christ, then do it. Jesus is calling from the cross to you obedient and respond to him but I also want to say to this as a body of people and it's not because of what God laid on my heart but because of what I believe God has called us to as a body he's called us to make an impact for lost people in this community it's known as the Bible belt I'm from the Bible belt this has nothing on the Bible belt there's a lot of lost people. And few ministries. And we need to be radically engaged in reaching lost people because Jesus' spirit's working through us. And it's not about a building, but this building has given us a place of ministry base. And what I say is a missions outpost of operations to do God's work. And we need to be at it, whatever the cost. And when I said across to me, Miguel Jr., is the guy who owned this building, and I said, You know, we have no way to take on this building we're a small younger church and we need a long way runway to take off the plane and he looked across the table he says i tell you what i'll do and i won't go into the numbers and too much detail other than to say he gave a pretty decent deal at that time and he says i'll give you a two-year lease with an option to buy and i said i think that might be manageable because if it doesn't go well, then I don't want to strap us and ways not. But at the same time, I want to put it out there. And a year ago, you guys responded. You responded through what was called Vision 2018 gifts. And we had upfront gifts. We had some people commit to monthly gifts. And we were able, by God's grace, to move into the second phase of what i thought was needed here the first phase was to relocate and to find a place we found it and get something reasonable that we could sign the second phase was to 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 get the money to to get in and to relocate and do the finish we did that but now we're at phase three and the phase three is that i think we need to purchase this building Because the heart is God wants to take our resources and mobilize them in some other directions besides facility. But you can't do that until you pay off the facility, and that's a phase four. But right now, we have the opportunity to take on this building at a $100,000 reduced rate if we do so by July 1. Avoid a step of rent increase. I know many of you are probably asking, well, what happened to your 30 seconds of courage? What materialized from that? And I only share this because it's a walk of faith with us. But there has been financial implications to my family. And that's hard for me. But I tell you what, there's great joy in it because I know that I know God's spoken and we're obedient to his call. And the people that voted to come here, the same. We had a congregational meeting three or four weeks ago and the vote was yes, let's purchase the building. But there has to be a response on the end of that. And so in your program is a little card. We had it in there last week. Some of you have responded, that's great. I am not interested in you responding to the card that says you would give above and beyond your regular giving to a building facility fund to help us make this payment with our denomination who has offered to to give us a loan if we can show the means to pay on the loan. But this card says clearly on number three, I'm making a three-year commitment to give an extra per month to the Awakening Fund for securing a loan and helping make the payment. I understand my commitment is between God and me. It can be revised up or down at any time if prompted by him. This is all to be bathed in prayer. I sent out a letter. If you'd like a copy of the letter, it's at the kiosk on your way out. Not just for you, but maybe to give to friends. And so you may say, well, how did this talk end in a money appeal? Friends, this is not a money appeal. But I have learned in life that God challenges me the most in my faith when it comes to money issues. The Lordship of Jesus Christ, you know the last thing to go? Is our wallet. And a lot of times God comes to you and says, do you trust me in it? And my only interest in this hour is that you would trust God to pray, to listen to his voice. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Here I am, you called me, and what would God call you to do? We have this month to pray that God would bring resources together, the opportunity for us to step out in faith, to purchase the building, to move to pay off the building so there's no facility rent, because we need to take the resources to do an awful lot of other things to reach God's valley for Him. So there's my deal.